2: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. With me here, wherever
1: you are listening, remember, if you uh, miss a show, you can always go back on winningponies.com and pull it up on podcast. We've had some fantastic guests over the last few months, and uh, we've got some good ones tonight. Uh, handicapping with us uh, will be Ed DeRosa, uh, an award-winning uh, writer when he was with the Thoroughbred Times, uh, has now switched over strictly to uh, handicapping services. I uh, ran into uh, him at the races the other day, and he said, hey, when are you going to have me back on? And I said, how about Thursday? So Ed DeRosa will be Breaking down the races with us, and we've got some fantastic stakes races uh, to look at this week. Of course, uh, the return of Union Rags is probably the top story and uh, I'm sure on an international basis I'd get some argument because a lot of people are looking at the Dubai World Cup and uh, what a sensational field that brought together. I never saw a field that had so many multi-million dollar horses in it. And, of course, America is going to be well represented. And then uh, with us on the first part of the program is going to be uh, William Willie Kester, uh, who uh, is not only an Ohio racing commissioner, but he is also the, uh, commissioner for the international association, uh, racing commissioners international. So, uh, He's got some interesting views on where racing should be headed. It might be a little controversial. It'll be very interesting. He's a great guy. Love the sport of racing. That's Willie Kester. He'll be our first guest up. Well, speaking of Dubai, we had an awful big scare there this week, and that uh, headline said Bob Baffert suffers a heart attack. And the blonde-haired 59-year-old landed in the hospital. Uh, He started feeling ill. His wife said, hey, you're going to the hospital. He ended up having three stents inserted and two arteries. Of course, Sheikh Mohammed was right there and made sure that he had the best care in the world. Of course, uh, his uh, partner uh, on uh, Game On Dude says, don't worry about it he will be there at the races so it's great that they caught it in time and it is amazing that the miracles they work uh, with putting stents in right now and how quick you can bounce back as my good friend Jimmy Chase can attest to and meanwhile you know he's always got good barn assistance and uh, both of his uh, runners uh, worked uh, game on dude who believe it or not is that right now the 3 to 1 choice uh, in that ten million dollar race, worked four furlongs in forty eight and two at Maidan, uh, getting ready for the World Cup. And then also he has the factor, which is his sprinter. He's going to go in that Golden shanine Stakes on the World Cup. Uh, that should be a heck of a race. Uh, as you recall, uh, Rocket Man is a seven year old gelding. He was the champion of this race last year, and uh, he defeated Euro Ears in, in that edition. Uh, it'll be uh, interesting also from America. Giant Ryan will be representing the U.S. in that race. Uh, we've got uh, familiar jockeys. Rafael Bayerano will be aboard the Factor and Willie Martinez will be riding Giant Ryan. Well, could it be Ladies' Day over in Dubai? Uh, we've got Royal Delta. She's going to post in the $10 million Dubai World Cup, and this would be history. She would be the first filly or Mayor to win the World Cup since it started. started back in 1996. Of course, she's trained by Bill Mott, and he's known to ship anywhere and win races. Uh, She's going to make her second start of the season. It almost looked like her first one was a little bit of a tune-up in the Saban stakes where she ran second to Awesome Maria. And right now I understand that she, too, is, is working well. Uh, over in Dubai. And then uh, the other lady that could make a little history over there would be none other than Chantel Sutherland. Of course, she's going to be on Game on Dude. Drew the outside post. A lot of people think maybe that's not too bad in a race as long as this, but Game on Dude will be piloted by Chantel Sutherland, and she would become the first woman rider to win uh, one of these major races in Dubai. On the other hand, it could be Ladies' Day or it could be Irish Eyes a smiling. Worldwide trainer Aiden O'Brien is going to send out uh, quite a few hot horses, uh, one of them So You Think. Horses won 12 of 20 lifetime starts, eight group one victories, and as you recall, uh, he had uh, his son in the saddle for a Breeders' Cup win down at Churchill Down. Joe O'Brien, I guess he didn't pick up all the weight. Everybody thought he would. Joe O'Brien will be riding for his dad. Uh, So uh, listeners of Winning Ponies, you like to make bets, right? Well... You might want to find a track where you can get a hold of the fairgrounds on, (laughs) on Friday. This is, this is, this is no joke. They had to cancel last week and they were going to have night racing anyhow on Friday. So they moved the card over. So now they're going to have an 18 race program. And yes, they decided to put on a pick 18. Um, you, you, uh, only outlets that use Amtote, Tote, System be able to offer the, the pick 18 to its customers, and so you, you are encouraged to check with your preferred wagering outlet to confirm whether or not the bet will be offered there. But uh, you can try for a pick 18. Lord only knows what the what the pool size will be or the payoffs will be. Um, news from the breeding shed: Zenyatta, of course, who uh, had a beautiful colt. Uh, she is going to be bred. To Tappet, her current colt is a son of Bernardini. Tappet, of course, who is red hot. I mean, this year alone, he's already got three American-graded stakes winners. uh Tappazar. And uh, Hanson, of course, uh, is his winner. And uh, unbeaten as a two-year-old Tappet. Showed a lot of promise. He came along the Smarty Jones year. And I didn't get it done in the Derby, but a lot of people will recall that they say his Wood Memorial was one of the more impressive uh, races uh, that year. And from that generation of horses, he has turned out to be the top sire of that group. Uh, This was the last uh, Triple Crown nominees uh, got to make late nominations and some interesting horses. Have to get that graded money to get in. There's a lot of horses on the bubble right now. Uh, a horse who won uh, the rush away at Turfway, Flashy Dresser, who was uh, very, very Im- impressive uh, this week. Good-looking horse uh, by Flashy Bull, uh, nominated. And then, of course, Kenny McPeak wants to stay in the fight. Uh, he's got the uh, runner-up in the Tampa Bay Derby, Golden Ticket. Uh, the runner-up in the Sunland Derby, who probably got a good chunk of graded earnings with that big purse, uh, isn't he clever, uh, who is a son of Marty Jones. Kenny McPeak doubling up with his uh, hopes here. Saturday launch, who was a recent Gulfstream allowance winner. He'd have to win a big one uh, to get into the Derby, but nonetheless, they nominated. And then, of course, it was the winner of the Swell, a little bit shorter race, but uh, impressive nonetheless. It was trinenberg So... Uh, those are horses that have nominated. Now, horses who are on the bubble. Last to get in is Castaway. We'll go to the top five right now. Uh, Hanson currently leads with 1.4 million. Then it's Union Rags, uh, Creative Cause, Cat, and the Irish Bread Roat, who is running over in Dubai this week. Those are the top five in. Top five out. We're not too far from bracketology now, are we? Uh, at twenty-one, it's I'll have another. Who uh, last won the Bob Lewis? Uh, currency Swap, second in allowance race at Gulfstream. Maya Donis, who's been knocking at the door, had early graded money, but only has one hundred thirty thousand now. And then uh, Battle Hardened, who was uh, troubling sixth in the Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, Eddie Canelli, not sure what happened that day. And then uh, a European horse called Genton. Uh, who looks like he's been racing over in Tokyo. So that's a look at uh, some of the horses that that are hoping to get in. Now, two horses that are going to be in big races over the weekend, uh, Gemologist, who's going to be going in the wood, and Mark Valeski, who's going to go in the Louisiana Derby, they're pretty far out of it right now. Gemologist only has 103,000, Mark Valeski, 60,000. So, uh, we'll see if they in fact can get in. Uh, now this is your last chance to get in the, the pools this week. And, uh, the morning lads, odds, Mike Battaglia right now, uh, has the field of 24. All other three year olds is at 6 to 1. You can get Hanson at 6 to 1. Gemologist, the horse I like, at 20 to 1. And Union Rags, right now, going into this weekend, tabbed at 3 to 1. That will close it out for the future wagers. Well, a couple weeks ago, we talked to Ramon Dominguez, and he did actually pick up his Wolf Award. Uh, of course, uh, recovering from that collarbone, uh, he hopes to be back in the wood this weekend. Uh, he's still convalescing. But, uh, as a matter of fact, he even had a little trouble holding the, the trophy up. <laughs> but he, he did say about what, what, what a big honor it was because he recognized that his, his fellow horsemen uh, were, were the ones that, that voted him in. You only get this award one time. Uh, just, he joins so many classy, classy people, um in that award. And, uh, this year he beat out, uh, finalists Corey Lannery, Martin Pedroza, deshaun parker and scott stevens to win that coveted award and uh, somebody else that hopes to win an award uh would be none other than russell bays he's listed to the hall of fame in canada uh we'll see if he can get in i've got to think that uh, he he should be a a slam dunk to to get that done in canada um we've talked uh, months ago to our friend chris mccarron and chris of course uh has has headed up the riding school in Lexington National uh, Racing Academy. And uh, what they've done originally, it, it kind of the, the theme of it was to, to be a, a jockey school. And there were some that went in there to be jockeys and found out maybe that wasn't what they wanted to do, but they still wanted to learn about the sport. Well, um, new director... Uh, Remy Belloc, of course his uh, dad was Peb, the famous cartoonist, uh, has decided to, to open the program now. They're, they have been uh, affiliated with the Bluegrass Community and Technical College, so they're going to branch out and become a workforce development school for racing and breeding farms. So uh, the 54... 54- students that are enrolled in the jockey school uh, will be prepared to be everything from exercise riders, grooms, with the new emphasis on horsemanship skills, racehorse care, and barn management. Uh, NARO now offer a one-year exercise rider and racehorse care and training certificate program, in addition to the two current two-year associate degree for jockeys or horsemen. I think that's great. Uh, the jockey school, of course, it's still led by uh, McCarran, and they really, in just a few years, have had great success. Since 2006, Jockeys that have come out of the program, and it's not a really big number, have ridden more than 11,000 races and earned over 16 million. Uh, Ben Creed, a gentleman uh, I've been uh, pleased to get to know over the years, uh, riding at uh, Keeneland, Turfway, and River Downs, he's earned more than 3.8 million, and he was once the leading rider at Turfway Park. Well, uh, we did some capping last week uh, with our friend Mark Klein. Let's take a look. Renchi, Julian Paru did not disappoint us in the Sunland Park. So, uh, Julian, I guess, hedging his bet. God forbid something should happen to, to Union Rags, but it looks like he certainly secured the mount aboard. Daddy knows best. He let the inside horses, just as we analyzed the race, uh, battle away, cast away and Ender Knievel. Uh, he caught the leaders about the half-mile pole, uh, along with Isn't He Clever? Who looked very strong. He was the horse for course. But a well judged ride by Le Peru got the job done. Daddy knows best can go to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, second was Isn't He Clever and third was Stirred Up daddy knows best should be derby bound uh then we went to the tokyo city C- cup out of san anita one of the mile and a half races that we handicapped and it was a five to one shot dynamic host made a quick move on the turn and held off Dahmer, the horse we liked in there by a head rafael barano in the saddle on Dahmer. well david flores rode the winner dynamic host uh then Pointed out last week, sometimes weight can make a difference. I know it has with me over the years. But uh, Samard and Newsdad were coming out of the Mac to Marma at Gulfstream Park. And that was a nose decision with Samard getting a big win off a layoff. Uh, he was sent off at 9 to 5, but Samard was carrying 123 pounds, and Newsdad got in with 117. Remember, only a nose separated them at a mile and three-eighths. Well, the added distance, a mile and a half, and the five pounds made a distance. If you, difference. If you don't think so, pick up a bowling ball and walk a mile and a half. It makes a difference. So uh, Newsdad, with none other than Julian Le Paru in the saddle, Get the job done. Uh, then it was on to look at the uh, the three-year-olds in the Binary Racing Spiral, and this, just put in the tape from last year, is all you need to do, because it was Grand Motion with a Team Valor horse uh, that was uh, purchased, uh, and... Came in here, this one off a maiden special win. John Velasquez was in the saddle. Now, he was in the saddle aboard Animal Kingdom on Derby Day, but he wasn't aboard him uh, back in, in the, uh, the Vinery Spiral. He was up to that day and went the day well, went the race well, going three and a half. Uh, the purse, a half a million dollars got to guess that he punched his ticket. It was very interesting to see what horse Johnny V lands on in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, hats off to Graham Motion. He's just had a sensational run over the past several years. Well, that's pretty much a wrap up of um, of the races we handicapped. One race of note, a horse by the name of In Lingerie won the Bourbonette Oaks and I think you can look for her in the Kentucky Oaks, she won very, very impressively. And who was in the saddle? None other than Johnny V. Well, that pretty much uh, rounds out the news of the world and a look at our racing from last week. And right now we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to the head of the Association of Commissioners International, the one, the only, Willie Kester. Willie Kester. flagship station for sports voice america sports
2: and they're off what can't make it to the track You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds All
1: right, and with me right now is a gentleman I first knew as, a, as an Ohio State uh, Racing Commissioner, uh, one that has now moved up with the Association of Racing Commissioners International. Uh, his name is William Kester. He doesn't care if I call him uh, Willie. Uh, he got a, appointed in 2008, reappointed in 2009, and served as the chairman of the Ohio Commission uh, from 2008 to 2011. One of the things I love about Willie Kester is that he reminds me uh, of another great Ohioan and Cincinnatian who, amazingly, held the same positions. Uh, Both of these guys uh, brought passion to the game. Uh, They followed the sport live. Uh, They both owned horses, and and I know they both enjoyed the the, the challenge of handicapping. And Willie, I'm speaking of the late great Norm Barron.
0: Thank you, John. It's good to be with you. Uh... What a what a fine gentleman! Uh, I I don't know anyone that doesn't hold Norm in the highest regard. Uh, rest in peace, Norm. I, I tell you, I, a finer man I had never met.
1: Yeah, he really was a class act. I I, I first met him before he was on the commission, and uh, Jim Morgan uh, was was training for him. And uh, oh, it was something. Peggy was the name of the horse. First time starter. Went, brakes are made in first time out in a stake. So, he was a pretty happy guy after that race. But, you know, Norm, much like you, Willie, I, m- I must say, I would see him at the races. I would see him enjoying the races. Um, you know, and th- that's one thing I love about bumping into you. I, I don't think I've been in the paddock of a major racing event in the last couple of years where I haven't turned around and, and, and seen you uh so well, I, I know that you you have a genuine uh lo- love of the sport, which is why i'm sure you are where you are what uh what was your background in racing though i mean did did you get get hooked into it as a kid in Cincinnati
0: actually yeah, I grew up on the west side of Cincinnati, and uh I had the original single parent my mom was great we had five kids and uh and we were poor and uh she was a fan of horse racing and uh she would uh on the weekends every now and then she would it was a cheap day the kids got in cheap and or i believe it was free back then and we go to river downs and uh she taught us about the daily double you know she always liked to bet the daily double and uh i I tell the people in ohio if you know if you if you walk march 20 kids through a barn you know 12 are going to say it smells in here get me out of here and four of them are going to say well this ain't too bad and then Probably four more are going to say, I'm not leaving. And I guess I was one of those, I'm not leaving guys.
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, so so you, you got a love for the game at, at an early age. Now, uh, what did you do professionally through the years that, that, that eventually got into the racing commission?
0: Actually, what I did, uh, racing commission jobs, uh, it's actually a bit awkward and embarrassing to tell you this, but racing commission jobs are political. You know, you are a... Friend of a friend of the governor, you're the governor's brother-in-law's next door neighbor, or something to that effect. Well, I happen to be the business manager of the Plumbers and Pipefitters Union in Cincinnati, Ohio, and that was the largest plumbing and pipefitting union in Ohio, and when I retired at the age of uh, 56, I, uh, the, the locals in Ohio asked me if I would like to do their lobbying work. So I, Consequently, unions are m- most of the time with Democrats. We supported Governor Strickland. And when Governor Strickland was elected, at that time the chairman was a friend, Charlie Lucan, former mayor of Cincinnati. And uh Charlie was offered a very nice job so he had to resign. And I, I kinda think because of my relationship with Charlie, he put on a very good word for me and Plus, I had known the governor, so the spot was open, and they said, hey, you're the new chair of the Ohio State Racing Commission, and certainly was a thrill for me, especially loving the sport as much as I do.
1: Well, you're also uh, one of the the heads of the Association of Racing Commissioners International. I'm wondering, uh, what's the perspective? Uh, What are the, the likes and differences between being a state commissioner and being associated with the Racing Commissioners International?
0: Well, the Racing Commission International is comprised of all the different entities in North America. And so when I was chair, I would go to the the RCI meetings, and you meet people, and you discuss the horse racing, what's going on at that point in time. And I met the people and uh, uh, got to be good friends with them, and and they understood how much I enjoyed the sport. And... uh, Actually, at that time, the executive director of the racing commission in Kentucky was a, a delightful lady named Lisa Underwood. And, uh, and and as everyone knows, Kentucky is the bastion of horse racing here in North America. And Lisa nominated me, and uh, I, I think Lisa had enough juice that when she nominated me, no one else ran against me. I was like, like unopposed, and so I was kind of like, okay, you got the job by acclamation," And so I... I, I have the wonderful opportunity of working with some major racing states whether it be you know john sabini in new york or the the people out in california it just uh it, it kind of it kind of started that way and uh so i've had the job for probably 11 months and i will hold it for another month i would say and uh and then it will be passed on to i believe john sabini is next in line so uh I will be delighted to hand it off to him because I know we'll be in good hands.
1: Well, obviously, the, the sport of racing, probably from state to state, the, 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 their challenges may, may change a little bit. But, Willie, taking a step back and and, and looking at it from, from your perspective, what, in your mind, is the biggest challenge that our sport faces right now?
0: Uh, you know, John, it, that's a great question. And I don't think there's anything that compares with, Right now, what we are doing is, you know, we're getting all the slings and arrows headed our way, and we're watching our fan base shrink. Uh, our problem is we are rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. What we need to do is, if somebody said, what's the best thing that can happen for horse racing? My first answer would be, fire Willie Kester. And (laughs) fire everybody. Yes, imagine that. Fire everybody like Willie Kester. Uh, what, what, what needs to be done? We are the only sport that I know of that doesn't have a chairman, president, uh, you know, a Roger Goodell type person, uh, that's in charge. What happens with us is we are, we, our laws and rules change from state to state. We have, the, the drug situation is just embarrassing. Uh, what happens is, uh, a, a trainer will get a positive in one state, he'll jump to another state. And it's just, uh, it, it's just a mess. I, I, I hate to say that, you know, because I love this sport so much. And, uh, I don't know, I'm sure, you know, you follow this probably even closer than I do. And, uh, just recently, uh, the graded stakes committee, I was very disappointed to see them fold up on their, their rule that they were going to have no race day medication on two year old graded stakes races. And uh, I think that was a big mistake. Uh, I think perhaps they would like a do-over. I don't know. But uh, uh, our sport today, and this is awkward and embarrassing to say, 38% of the people in America believe that this sport should be abolished today. And and there's no other sport that you can name that would be like that with maybe the exception of bullfighting, I guess maybe in Spain. But uh, no, we are not thought fondly of in,
1: in the spectrum of American sports. Well, it's sad because, you know, if you go back about 25, 30 years, racing in attendance was second only to baseball.
0: Uh, it, was, it was the sport. I mean, there'd be 60,000 people on, at Belmont Park on a Tuesday afternoon. I mean, yeah, I mean, our sport was, it, well, it's called the sport of kings, but it was king of the hill at one time. And and of course, you know, as time has evolved, uh, you know, people are are choosing to do other things with their entertainment dollar, and uh, and it's really become watered down. I mean, we are another another thing that's kind of awkward and embarrassing to say to people that love horse racing. We are the only sport I know that is asking for welfare for survival with VLT gaming. Uh, uh, You know, when, when you sit down at the RCI meetings. You have the haves and the have-nots. The states that do have, you know, gaming that VLT gaming, which rolls purse and breeding money into the business, and then you have states like us, Ohio, who does not. And certainly, we are looking forward to having that down the road. But uh, it, it's fool's gold. It's absolute fool's gold. I mean, in Pennsylvania, right now they're looking to take. I believe it's now this time is probably seventy-two million dollars away from the sport uh canada is looking to completely take the money away from the sport so someday i don't know when this sport is going to have to stand on its own
1: well all i can say is i'm, I'm glad right now that we it appears that a lot of places are partnering up uh having gaming side by side so that one business doesn't Put the other one out of business. Uh, I, hopefully, they I can stop the I don't see it creating new fans, but I do think it's one way to to keep the uh, the, the breeder and the and the owners alive at this point and and you know it's really not a huge number that comes off from the casino and you know i have seen some good things happen from that too as far as uh you know farms developing uh, obviously at the expense of states that don't have it but let's face it you're a horse owner yeah, you, you know you pay bills you've got a trainer if your horse could compete against the same horses for twenty thousand instead of ten thousand you're going to go for the twenty absolutely so, and, listen, uh, and right I, now, I guess, if you look at
0: it, all, this, all the uh, racetracks in Ohio, with the exception of Northfield Park, the, the standard red track up in Cleveland, are owned now by gaming companies. I think Penn Gaming right now is the largest owner of thoroughbred tracks and harness
1: tracks in the country. I, I, do, I do believe you are right. Well, one thing I'd like to see from, you know, obviously it's driven by handle and, and I just want to touch on this for a second you talked and you you stole my next question about a national racing commissioner this may drive you crazy as a guy that likes to watch the races and maybe bet on them now and then is why can't we some entity coordinate post-time for major stakes races, last week I watched two graded stakes races go in the gate at the same minute. There's not that many of them. Don't you think somebody could coordinate this better? Because obviously, if you've got a you know, if you can watch a really good stakes race and then you've got six or seven minutes to, to handicap the next one that's coming up at whatever track you like, it's going to benefit the parimutuel pools.
0: Oh, John, I couldn't agree more. You know, if, if there was a, you know, a league commissioner. That, all that stuff could be put in order. I know Keeneland goes to great lengths to try to avoid that. You know, they'll, they'll move their post time from, you know, 1 at 1 5 to 1 at 10 to one fifteen depending on the races. But, you know, and, and especially with these derby prep races, which, like you said, it's frustrating. I mean, because, you know, you will have the, uh, the bluegrass stakes in the wood. And then you will have, then you run over to another TV and you try to watch the Arkansas Derby a little later. That is very frustrating.
1: Yeah, it, 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 uh, it really, it does, it does get to me. Well, uh, one, one last question. Uh, I know you as a fan of the sport, you're also a horse owner. How are your horses doing? Actually, uh, that's a good question. Uh, uh, if you've been in this long enough, you've had, You've had
0: bad things happen to you, you know, and, and that's just the way it works. Uh, currently, I, um I sold a yearling, a short yearling at Keelan in January, and I have a, a very, what I think is a pretty nice looking yearling. It's out of the, uh, Peruvian champion, the and then she, uh, it's filly by English Channel, and I, I, I hope she's good enough looking that I can sell her. If my horses look good, I try to sell them. If they don't, I try to race them. That's pretty much what I do. And I do have a, a heat-seeker two-year-old, which I think uh, it doesn't look so precocious. So if it runs at it its two, it'll probably be later on in the year. And I have a U.S. Ranger full on the ground, and I have one mare in-fold U.S. Ranger and a mare in-fold Artie Schiller, and I just bred the mare that fold. I bred her to Pleasantly Perfect, and I believe I'm taking my other mare back to English Channel. So... uh my, my horses are doing fine, uh, but I will tell you this: they eat every day, and uh, and the the bills that come along
1: with it. But you have to have a passion for it to be in it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you do, and you got to be ready for for the ups and the downs. Well, certainly, you've seen the sport from a, from a, a lot of sides, Willie. I think uh, we've got the right guy uh, at uh, commissioners, both uh, international and in, in the state of Ohio. And all I can say is, looking forward to seeing you in the paddock at Keeneland in a couple of weeks.
0: Thank you so much. It's, it's kind of you to say so, and uh, I'll see
1: you on that Friday. All right. Willie Kester, ladies and gentlemen, a great Cincinnatian and uh, a great supporter of the sport of thoroughbred racing. We're going to take a little break right now, and when we come back, we're going to break down the biggest races in North America this week with handicapper extraordinaire Ed DeRosa. Ed <music> DeRosa internet flagship station for sports voice america sports
2: and they're off what
1: Track left. I don't care where
2: they put him. Pittswood is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, <laughs> we, cover, everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
1: He's one of those guys like Willie Kester says, hey, if I can ever do anything for you, uh, call me back. And so I did call him back. I happened to run into uh, Ed DeRosa at the races over the weekend, and uh, I had such a good time handicapping with him. The last time he was on the show, I thought I'd invite him back. So uh, Ed DeRosa, who was with the Thoroughbred Times and is now with Twin Spires, uh, an avid uh, race goer and handicapper, welcome to Winning Ponies.
3: Thanks so much. Glad to be here before
1: a really big weekend on the Derby Trail. Well, you know, I wanted to bring out a big capper. These are some good races. Last week I was kind of scratching a little bit. Uh, it was pretty much the Sunland and the Vinery were the, the only big ones I could find. But this week we've got no problem. Uh, before I get on to the, uh, the North American races, let's face it, a lot of the tracks uh, will be uh, bringing out the, the races from Dubai. And, uh, of course, the big one, the richest race in the world as far as I know, uh, the uh, Dubai World Cup. Sponsored by Emirates Airlines, uh, ten million up for grabs. Obviously, the best in the world are going to be there. When I pulled the PP's down, they actually had odds on them. I didn't think they would. Um, and Game On, Dude was made the three to one favorite. That surprised me. Did it surprise
3: you? Uh, well, I, I thought. Uh, I'm assuming that these odds were made uh, with with the American market in mind. So with with that. Uh, I wouldn't say it surprised me too much. A lot of buzz with Chantel and being the American horse. And now with uh, all that Baffert's gone through this week, uh, the horse is even more in the news. So I could definitely see him ending up the favorite because of the American pools. But I agree with you. I think if I look on Betfair or William Hill on Saturday, I wouldn't expect him to be the favorite in some of the international betting.
1: No, I don't think so either. Especially, but when you see this horse of uh, Aiden O'Brien's, uh, "So You Think," I mean uh, that that course has just been awesome and has been you know tussling with. Uh, uh, I think he's got eight Grade One wins uh, to him. He made twenty starts. He got twelve victories. Seven point five million dollars. Now I'm not surprised to see that a lot with the Japanese horses because of. Uh, they inflated purses. But i, I, I got to give a tip of my captain, a smart falcon. who's made 33 lifetime starts, has 23 wins, and he's bankrolled $11 million.
3: Yeah, that's uh, not a bad career, and he's a 7-year-old, uncut. Horse. So uh, his owners must really enjoy the the game not to have sent him off to stud with uh, what he's accomplished so far. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, based on the win streak he's put together, I have to think he's at least in the mix against these. But but I think you were right to start with. So you think uh, disappointing sixth uh, on the dirt at Churchill, but uh, a, a little bit of trouble there. But clearly, his international form uh, talks the talk among these.
1: Hey, and I guess Joe O'Brien didn't pick up the weight everybody said he was going to. He's riding for
3: his dad and So You Think. Yeah, well, uh, the benefit of these uh, big classic-type races are you, you get the 126 pounds, so I'm not sure how much uh, weight he's up to now. But even uh, even if he's up to like 122 or 124, which would certainly be an unrideable weight in American racing, uh, he'll still need a couple of lead pads in that saddle. Well, that was a great story at Churchill Downs
1: this year in the Breeders' Cup. Of course, I be remissful, I want to just mention one more horse that's in this race. Uh, uh, Bill Mott brings over Royal Delta after her purchase for $8 million. What do you think her chances are?
3: Well, you know, last year we saw a couple uh, efforts that were kind of dull, and then she'd pop a big one. Uh, you know, she was no match for Hava de Grace and then won the Ladies Classic. I have to say I was pretty disappointed in her run against Austin Maria, even though I thought Austin Maria was more primed for that race anyway, but, but she just wasn't competitive at all. And while the, the pattern clearly shows she can jump up second off the layoff, uh, I'm find that i I'm assuming she'll be way over bet in the American pool, so she's a horse I'm definitely looking to to be. okay well
1: uh let's go right now to, to a, a horse that i don't think you can get past in, in, in this race and i'd be floored if i if uh if, if i don't think he you, you, you'd you believe that this is the horse to beat. And, of course, we're going to go to Gulfstream Park. It's a mile and an eighth, so there's going to be, you know, distance challenges for everybody in the field, with these three-year-olds. Uh, every single horse is nominated the Triple Crown. The horse, of course, I'm talking
3: about may be the best horse in training right now, Union Rags. Yeah, I agree with you, the conversation, not only for the Florida Derby, but pretty much uh, the excitement you can expect this weekend starts and ends with Union Rags. Uh, a lot of people even already talking about how big a favorite he'll be uh, in Louisville for the Derby and whether he can go on from there and win the Triple Crown. Uh, that, that to me, seems a little premature. If horses like a Fleet Alex and Point Given can lose the Derby, then I'm certainly not going to write the check to Union Rags just yet, but he certainly stands tall in the Florida Derby uh, the way I'm approaching the race is El Pedrino for me is is the horse I'm going to try to beat in first and second and take charge Indy I think is the key to to making any money off this race, Union Rags is obviously going to be be the favorite so I think if you can get take charge Indy into the number there in second that might help your exact price and maybe even beat El Padrino underneath for third and try to blow up the try a little bit but certainly it's Union Rags on top for me
1: yeah, one, one. I mean, I can't take anything away from Al Pedrino. I mean, uh you know, he's one for one at Gulfstream. The only time he raced at Gulfstream, he had a 100 buyer. Even Union Rags can't say that, but he won his last race so easy he could have run a 100 if he wanted to, is off that effort in, in the winning star, which was a great race against Mark Velasquez, we'll talk about later, he's going to have to pick up six pounds off that effort. So I, I don't know if they, I mean, they're all 122 in here, but I don't know if that's, that's going to cost him anything. Um, but certainly I,
3: I, I think almost everybody's going to have Union Rags over El Padrino over, take your pick yeah and, and like I said, I mean for me uh I'm, I hope the value is in beating out Padrino underneath, although I, I got to tell you Union rags is six to five on the morning line, and I wouldn't even monkey around with the gimmicks if he actually were that in the wind pool. Uh, you know, if you think he wins this race fifty percent of the time, six to five is actually value, and I will have no sh- no shame in betting uh, the chalk if you can get that kind of price on union rags, but I- I'm figuring he'll probably be four to five, maybe even three to five. And at that price, like I said, I'll try to get Take Charge Indy up there and, and complete a little uh, what hopefully is a nice exacta. Right. Well,
1: and that's why I have you on because we, we need that insight. It's too easy to see uh, the obvious. And uh, Take Charge Indy certainly uh, has a lot of good class behind it, and I used to love that horse's mother, Take Charge Lady. Well, let's move on right now to the Gulfstream Oaks. Uh, Two questions here, I guess. Number one, will it be a replay of the Devana Dell, Or is Michael Matz a miracle worker? Can he bring, and why not, back from an October layoff? If if if, if there's a speed duel up front, this horse is a big closer. Now, a mile and an eighth is asking a lot in a comeback, but this horse has the pedigree and the running style that may help her fit the bill.
3: Although it is her first trip over the track, he didn't even bring her in for a workout. Well, you know, a, a common friend of ours, Frank Anx, loves us Philly, too, and, and all last year he, he chased her, and I, I never saw it. and um, I'm unlikely to go to the well in this race. I actually happen to, to, to think the top three here uh, – Grace Hall, Yara, and then Zoe Peel, who uh, beat a horse some people may remember from last week in lingerie, uh, I think are legitimate, not only contenders in this race, but also the, the Kentucky Oaks in five weeks. So I'm going to look at those three, you know, Again, you sort of said no surprises with Union Rags. Uh, to me, Grace Hall is more vulnerable than Union Rags is, and if they let Yara off at a price, you know, obviously we're not getting what uh, people fortunate enough to like her a few weeks ago got. But she's six to one on the morning line, and to me, that that's more appealing than NY Not, who uh, comes in off a long layoff. But certainly, underneath, like you said, picking up the pieces. Uh, you know, using her in second and third makes sense. But as a horizontal player, pick threes and pick fours, I think the logical contenders are the ones to beat here.
1: Well, it, it will be interesting for those that don't have a racing form in front of them. Uh, Yara and Grace Hall pretty much went stride for stride around the Gulfstream Park track uh, in the Devana Dale last time out. Yara got up by a neck, and uh, uh, Yara will... Pick up six pounds off that effort. Grace
3: Hall will actually drop two. So mm-hmm. for an yeah, that, that difference? That's a great that's point, that, John. I think a lot of people, uh, and I don't know why this is. Maybe it's just easier not to consider it, but I find that weight is far too often ignored. And when you're talking about six pounds, people say, oh, they're 1200 pound animals. And that may be the case, but we're also talking about races decided in hundredths of a second. And, and those type of variables absolutely matter.
1: Well, earlier in the show, you probably weren't online at, at, at the time. I talked about News Dad last week uh, with uh, the five-pound shift that, that he had uh, over a horse that beat him the week before by a neck. And all of a sudden, he turns the tables on him. And My, right. my comparison is, is, if you don't believe it, let me hand you a five-pound bowling ball. You and I will jog around <laughs> the track.
3: <laughs> yeah but, and and that's, that's the other thing you know it's not as if, yet, uh, it's just five pounds i mean they're already carrying say 120 so you know five pounds on top of already carrying 10 percent of their weight it's not as if it's five pounds from zero it's five from you know already a significant amount so uh, right. i'm definitely a believer and that's a great point for you to to bring up. Uh, hopefully the price compensates on Yara. You're not necessarily having to take her as a favorite, but it absolutely will dull her performance compared to a few weeks ago.
1: Well, it'll just be really interesting to see, and uh, we'll have to talk to Frank about this, if, if Michael Matt can pull this off <laughs> off the long layoff. I mean, again, I, a mile and an eighth is asking an awful lot uh For a horse and a comeback, but obviously, uh, you know, this horse uh, does have graded stakes money, and I'm sure would, you know, by street cry out of an AP Indy mare, would love to be there the Friday before Derby Day in the Kentucky Oaks. All right, well, that was a look at the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Uh, We're going to take a brief break here, and then we're going to go way down yonder in New Orleans to two very interesting races, uh, both the Louisiana Derby and the New Orleans Handicap. Plenty of talent in both of those fields. We're talking with Ed DeRosa on (laughs) winningponies.com.
2: internet flagship
1: station for sports voice america sports
2: and they're off what can't make it to the track
1: and handicapper extraordinaire Ed DeRosa is with me today. Right now we're going to go down to New Orleans, to the fairgrounds. Their big day. Of course, all eyes are on New Orleans with the final four. And I'm sure they're hoping to get some uh, some people out at the races. Uh, these races, uh, a lot of times, will be on the same day, but not this year. This year, uh, the Louisiana Derbys are going to be first. Uh, I mean, the um, – I'm sorry – Fairgrounds Oaks would be first, and then we got the uh, Louisiana Derby and the New Orleans Handicap that's turning out to be just one fantastic race. Well, Ed, uh, let's see. Right out of the gate, let's go to the Derby race. Uh, that's going to be uh, run on April Fool's Day, and I- I- I've got a note at the top of my uh, past performances here that says, wow. Prices abound. I think there's a lot of chances in this field for, for somebody to take a big step up. Obviously, uh, the bullets on Mark Velaski's back, but, but I think there, there's some talent in here that could su- surprise, and I, I think you're going to see a pricey trifecta.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, the deep field alone, uh, assures, you know, you would have to think one price is going to get, uh, get in there. But, uh, to me, Mark Valesky and Cigar Street are almost certain underlays. Cigar Street coming off a of maiden, going into a race like this, uh, you know, certainly if he replicates that effort, uh, is going to have a big say in the outcome, but I almost always bet against maidens jumping up in class like this if they're going to be the price he is. And Mark Valesky, you know, we talked about El Pedrino in the Florida Derby. If I'm not high on that high on him in there, I really can't be high on the horse that nearly beat him in a 13 horse field. Uh, I've been saying the SoCal horses this year are really strong, uh, possibly the strongest group. I think Union Rags is best, but as a group, I like SoCal. Uh, so for that reason, I've been taking a long look at Rousing Sermon.
1: Uh, well, of course, Mike Smith... Uh, we'll be replacing Joe Tolamo aboard Rousing Sermon, and, you know, it's dangerous. Everybody, their agent has to make a decision right now. I know Joe's probably riding a, a big race out west that day. Uh, Jerry Hollendorfer, a, a Buckeye guy, uh, this could be the, their, their ticket to the Derby.
3: Yeah, I thought uh, Rousing Sermon's just been way too far out of it in his last two races and and he's closed, uh, you know, he's he's made a run, it's not like he's been completely dull. Uh so I'm I'm hoping that that sort of helps the price that he's sort of been deep in these races but I have think he's made his run, and, uh, you know, nothing against Joe Talamo, who I think is fantastic, but sometimes you just need a, need a change to wake a horse up or, you know, maybe get uh, that little spurt that you haven't found before, and, and Mike Smith is certainly no stranger to getting closers home, so I'm hoping it's a positive jockey change in this regard, and, you know, we've seen plenty of horses ship east from the West Coast to get the money, especially at fairgrounds in Oakland. so uh, it looks like a lot of signs are pointing to yes on this one wanted at a decent price
1: now I, I, I don't have uh, any any
3: odds in, in front of me on rousing sermon do, do you at this point in time uh, well yeah the the morning line on him is. Let's see. Cigar Street seven to two. Rousing Sermon is six to one, and in a thirteen-horse field, uh, I'm actually hoping he ends up around eight to one because I think Mark Valesky and Cigar Street will take a little more money than their morning line indicates. So at eight to one, I'm definitely a buyer on Rousing Sermon.
1: Well, uh, obviously there's, there's a couple others that, that need to be looked at. I mean, you did talk about Cigar Street just to let everybody know. Uh, this is a horse that's only made two starts, but the last one at the fairgrounds recorded a 99 buyer and won by 13 and three quarter lengths. Uh, it's a, a, a son of Street Sense out of a Deputy Minister Mayor, so, you know, it's, it's, got, it's got some legit Connections. Then, of course, uh, Dale Romans is coming in with his Gotham winner that's a devout stretch runner and uh, has really been uh, you know, training pretty strong. Um, and then you've got, at uh, this time of year, how many times have you seen horses like Windsurfer where Todd Pletcher and Velasquez team up with, with a horse that looks like it's trying to play catch-up
3: but may have all the talent in the world? Yeah, windsurfer I, I definitely think uh, is one worth looking at. Normally, these Todd Pletcher horses, like you described, take a lot of money. But uh, windsurfer is twelve to one on the morning line, and I'm not sure I can ignore Pletcher uh, at that price. I'm mean, rousing Sermons likely my top pick, but if I'm live in some pick threes or pick fours with windsurfer on the ticket, I, I won't be too disappointed. Uh, and we, you know, we saw last week uh, Pletcher invaded uh, Turfway. He didn't get the he didn't get all the money with with the wind but he did finish second and third uh, with some fairly lightly raced horses so you know he, he's shown time and again he can pop them uh, in these graded states for three-year-olds so you know windsurfer definitely at a, at a price is one to to watch
1: Yeah, he liked heavy breathing enough uh, in that effort to plop down $6,000 to finally make him uh, Triple Crown eligible. Well, let's move on to what what I think may be one of the best races of the the early season, and it involves the older horses. I mean, these are going to be, I think, the top handicap horses in in the country this year uh, and in the field for the New Orleans Handicap is Mission Impassible. I remember him breaking his maiden down at Keeneland, and I made him my derby horse. Um, but, But he won this race last Year, but uh, what a talent-laden field! Uh, You know, you've got a local horse with with a friend of mine, Austin Smith from uh, Kettering, Ohio. Uh, This horse has never been beaten. At, at fairgrounds and looks to be getting better and better. Just won the grade three mineshaft impressively. Uh, it, it'll be the one to catch on the front end, but I'm telling you what, there's horses in here that can take aim on them. Another horse that, that, that comes to mind is Toby's Corner, who was, uh, you know, a well regarded horse early last year on the road to the Triple Crown. Uh, won the Wood Memorial and then had a little hitch in his get along. Makes his comeback race for who else but Graham Motion and records a 100-buyer in the Grade 2 General George uh, at Laurel. Uh, those are just uh, three that I'm going to mention, but they're, they're, there's other ones in here such as Redeemed and, and Pants on
3: Fire who won the Louisiana Derby last year. Um, we don't like Ed. This is This is a crazy field yeah i actually uh, you you mentioned among your three uh probably the horse i'm going to pin most of my hopes on on the day if if not the weekend i I really love Toby's corner coming into this uh and at the price. One thing I found with Graham Motion is he is a he is a trainer that when he calls a shot, I really pay attention, and pretty much immediately after that comeback race at Laurel. Uh, he's been targeting this race and has just exuded confidence in how Toby's Corner has been training, uh, not only before the comeback, but also since. And, you know, six to one to me on on a horse that has this kind of talent. He beat Uncle Mo in the Wood Memorial. Uh, and it's just shown he's fast enough to win this. I'm I'm really looking my chops to to get this kind of price on a horse that I think could end up being the favorite in races like the Whitney later on this year. I, I'm really high on him, and uh, like I said, he's pretty much probably going to be my best bet of the day, if not the weekend.
1: Well, he, of course, he's kind of close to my heart because he, he's a son of Bellamy Road that won the Cradle Stakes at River Downs. And yeah, and that, that was uh, pretty- I remember that day. Yeah, i a pretty pretty solid sire. Um, now, underneath, I mean, you've got, obviously, uh, you've got Rosie on Pants on Fire. I think she's going to get uh, some money uh, just because of the connection uh, there. And uh, I noticed that Redeemed has cha- changed trainers uh, to Paul McGee uh, from Dick Dutrow, but uh, he's smart enough to keep Edgar Prado in the saddle, who's had a lot of success with this horse.
3: Yeah, Redeemed uh, is, is a horse that, you know, has just sort of been off and on, and from everything I, I've heard and, and seen when he's been on, he clearly can be uh, one of the fastest horses going. Uh, you know, I, I think the, uh, the the Don Handicap, uh, people were disappointed, but uh, the, the number actually came back pretty good uh, from everything I've seen, so I, I wouldn't necessarily count him out, but when I saw four to one, I was kind of like, eh, you know, people aren't really giving up on him. If he were a bigger price, I'd probably consider him a little more. Uh, so, to me, I don't see him as a big threat on top, but I do like him more than, say, Nero, whose uh, comeback in that allowance seemed impressive, but the, the number that came back uh, wasn't as much so. Uh, Fast Alex, I thought, didn't show enough in the mine shaft, so he's not one I'm really looking at, but you mentioned Pants on Fire. I, I thought his comeback was more serviceable than Nero's, so a step up for him, uh, uh, I think could could get him in get get him in the exact underneath Toby's corner.
1: All right, well listeners of Winning Ponies, I hope you took heed of Ed DeRosa's selections in some of the biggest races that we're going to have this weekend. Ed, thanks a million for being on the show. I look forward My to pleasure. seeing you at a racetrack near me soon. <laughs> Sounds like well, uh, to me. All right, I'll see you down there in Lexington, Ed DeRosa, top thanks, handicapper. Uh, known nationally, and uh, he's also been a previous guest on Winning Ponies and has an awful good record. Well, that pretty much is going to close out the show. I want to thank uh, Willie Kester for being with us, and I want to thank all of you for, for tuning in. Remember, tell a friend about winningponies.com, and uh, tell them if they missed the show, they can they can get it on podcast. Uh, anytime they want, they can get all of our shows on podcast, and they can also look at all of the great handicapping tools that Winning Ponies does supply to you. So that closes out another show from high atop the grandstand overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, if you bring your girlfriend to the racetrack, practice safe bets.